it didn't work that particular time, but that's all right. We'll um, we'll play that another another time. How's everybody doing? Good, good. It's um, I've always wondered what it felt like to be a Presbyterian in preaching. So today, my chance. Thank you, graduates, for giving me that chance to do that. I really appreciate that a lot. And um, yeah, here here we are. All right, do we have my slides? My slides? Because those are very important. Oh, awesome. Great. So, um, I know that you guys have had pictures, because I've seen them, right? Most of you have had pictures. You've had pictures. You haven't had pictures. You need to, we need to take a camera and do some stuff. Maybe you can get a part. We'll get you some pictures. Commemorate it. Always need pictures. So what I thought was, I thought it was interesting for you to see, you know, um, my high school year and my pictures. Okay, so here's the first one. Um, this is me. So the American flag was an add-in, like it was Photoshop, because that's what you did back then. But I really needed a younger picture of me. Can you show me a younger? This is my... And then after that, um, I went out to the wild hunting deer um, with that particular weapon. Very serious looking right there. So, so that, that, that was my pictures. Listen, the point with all that is in life, everybody around you will want you to be somebody else. Everybody around you will be, wants you to be someone that is other than yourself. Everybody around you will push you in particular directions because they have a particular viewpoint for your particular life. Now, some of those people are, are well-meaning, and they might be pushing you in the right direction. But the majority of the people that want you to be something else are people that just want you to be the way that they are, so that they can accept you and, and they can do all that sort of thing. So there's always going to be people around you trying to get you to be something that you were not created to be. You see, believers, people that have received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, live in an in-between stage of predestination and free will. And we live in this area. We never really in this life perfectly fit what God has designed us to be because we're fallen. But there is a predestination to get us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ and to perfection. So between our free will and his predestination, we live like right here. And in this in-between time, there are people all around us that try to push us and mold us in particular directions. And sometimes it's directions that is not really the way that God created us to be. It's in a total different direction. So my first thing, not only for the graduates, but also for everybody here today, is to think about, have you been molded in a way that is really not you and not the way that God created you to be? Or are you living the way that God created you to be? And for you guys, man, you all have the world ahead of you. Oh, yeah. And you need to be who God created you to be and you need to become who he wants you to be. You need to be who God created you to be, and then become who God wants you to be. So with that in mind, I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel is right before 2 Samuel. That's a, that's a Bible joke. First Samuel. That I laughed at. Where's Jake at? Jake here? Jake told me I was the Christian Drew Carey. <laughs> so, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is a very familiar story in the Bible. It's David and Goliath. And so, um, at the beginning of the story, David is keeping sheep because that's what he did. He, he sat on a rock. He was in a field. He kept sheep. He heard sheep, right? His dad came out to him in the field one day and said, Hey, I want you to go check on your brother. So he sent... Um, Daniel, I mean David, to check on his brothers. There was a war going on. So David went. When David got to the battlefield, there was a giant that came out in the middle of the plain and challenged the Israelites to one-on-one conflict. We can get into why that happened, but that's, that's what was happening. When that giant came out in the middle of the field, the entire Israeli army went inside their tents and hid. Every time he came out, he, they went in and hid. So this is where verse 28 of this passage picks up. Because David has arrived, and he has just heard this giant challenge the armies of the living God. And in verse 28 of chapter 17, it says this, this word. Well, let me, let me back up. So David doesn't really understand why nobody has gone out and battled this guy. He's just sitting there wondering why. So he begins to ask, why hasn't anybody went out and battled this guy that's challenging? So in verse 28, his brother hears of this, and this is what he says. Now, Eli, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eli's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as the same before. I want us to understand from this passage of Scripture that when you start being the person that God created you, you to be, you will always have people that misunderstand what you were doing. Always. And those people come in all shapes and sizes. They don't necessarily understand why you did a particular thing, and so they criticize the stuff that they do not understand. But if you are truly trying to be who God created you to be, and you become comfortable with that, their voices no longer matter. See, if you are going to be who God created you to be, you've got to quit listening to the voices that misunderstand you and only listen to God's voice. Only listen to His and His guidance. So here David has a principle that he's learned. Somebody is defying my God that I worship while I'm keeping sheep, and why isn't anybody doing anything about this? So they're criticizing him about it, but he is ignoring even his family and saying, who's going to go out and, who's going to go out and, and take this guy down, right? His little chest is poked out because he wasn't running, you know? Who's going to take this guy, who's going to take this guy out? 
And he begins to talk and talk and talk. So understand there will always be people who misunderstand you. Sometimes it's because of their jealousy that they misunderstand you. Sometimes it's because they don't like you. Here's a little tip in life. Not everybody's going to like you. Nothing wrong with that. Not everybody's going to like you. Sometimes it's because of their own preconceived notions because you will be a little dated in their eyes the rest of your life. You'll be little Daniel. Right? You'll be little Mason. Okay, but you'll be little Mason, like a little kid Mason. <laughs> yeah, I'm just telling you. But you, you'll be the little person. Listen, when I go home to my home church, I'm always little Phil. I'm 48 years old, but when I walk in that church, I'm little Phil. Yeah, all those older people, little Phil is what you are. Some people will, will think of you in that way. Sometimes they don't really know you when they criticize you. They don't know what you're doing. But everybody that criticizes you when you are being who God created you to be are people that are being used to the devil to get you off the path that you need to be going back. All of them. It took me until I was 40 to figure that out. Criticism isn't always helpful. Sometimes it's meant to mold you in a direction that God never intended you to go down. So you, you think about it. You think about how God created you, and then you are who God created you to be, and you live that way. Be who God created you to be. Look at verse 31. It says this. When the words that David spoke were heard, they were repeated. They repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth. You are just little David. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And there came a lion and a bear, and he took a lamb from the flock and went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. Let me tell you what David is saying. David is saying, I'm going to be who God created me to be. And in this moment where there is a challenge, this is what I know. God in the past has done things in my life to prepare me for this moment. I don't have to be a warrior. I don't have to be the best of the best. I don't have to be the one that you would normally look to to handle this particular situation because I am being who God created me to be. I have I've focused on God. He's allowed me to kill a lion and a bear. Isn't that cute? He allowed me to kill a lion and a bear. I obviously don't know anything about how that would happen. So he moves into this point and he says, look, God has prepared me for this moment and I can take down this giant. I can take him down because I'm going to be who God created me to be and I'm going to do something great with it. Everyone in this room has potential. To have the power of God work through you at this moment because God has prepared you for this very moment, for this very day, to act in faith and as a light to the world. Everyone in this room has the ability to do great and mighty things for God. 
Now, you might not be put on display like David is going to be when he goes in front of the, the Goliath and everybody looks. But no matter where you are, no matter where you live, there is always people looking at you. And if you are who God has created you to be, and if you are serious about becoming who God is creating you to be, tracking, you will shine as lights and be a pillar in the community. You'll be a pillar in the community. When people talk, when people, you know, they, they say things against you, you just move right on because at the end of the day, you are sure about who God created you to be, and that is your stability. But what they say at that point just doesn't matter because they really don't know you. He says, I am ready for this. So verse 38 says this, And Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. Maul, actually. Whatever that is. And David snapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. In other words, I can't be the warrior that you're trying to make me be with all this armor. I can't do that. This is what I can do. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistines. He was who God had created him to be. You see, he had experience with stones. He didn't have experience with swords, so he used the stones. That's what he had experience with. If he had used a sword, he might have lost but he was using exactly what God had trained him with, what God had, had, had saved him with in the past. That is what he was doing. And he went with faith, and he did things for the benefit of others. See, sometimes people get on this path where they start doing the benefit, things for the benefit of themselves. They don't care about what everybody else is doing, but everything that they pursue in life is just for their own benefit. For us as believers, if we're going to be who God created us to be, He created us to minister and help other people, to have others in mind. If you go through life looking how you can help someone else, you will do great works for God. So David went out, and he did this. He went into battle. For the people. He went out to battle for God and to set them free. You can only do great things for God when you become who God created you to be and not something else. So let's look at verse 28 again. Now Elab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Elab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? With whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You know what this is? This is an invitation to an argument. That's what that is. This whole verse is filled with personal jabs. You ever had any like personal personal jab you? You know what I mean? Like your truck is dirty and has a flat tire. Your voice is way too hot. I'm just, this is an illustration. Yeah, you react that way, right? 
your hair is just too wavy and you just chat at you, right? And Darren, I have no clue because I don't know you as well as I should, but mm -hmm. maybe you should hang around Alex. That sort of jab. You know what I mean? That sort of jab. And then, are you sure you want to do HVAC? HVAC? Is that a waste of your mind? I mean, what, what is going on? You know, that sort of little jab, right? Right? I don't believe that. Or, I don't believe that about you. I'm just, are you know, a teacher for real? Okay, so you you have those little jabs and the people jab you. And what that is, is an, it's an invitation to an argument. And what they've done is they've said some stuff to you so that you can get defensive. And then you're in. Right? Now, let me, one day I hope, I'm glad you're married, but one day I hope when you all get married. Okay? To the opposite sex. Because that's what the Bible says. So you, you're going to get married one day, and there are going to be multiple arguments in your relationship. If there's any married person that says they've never argued with their spouse, they are what I call liars. <laughs> and we all know what Revelation says about liars and where they go. Farmington Ethics. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So they, they, they're liars, they're liars, it's arguments. But here's a little bit of wisdom that comes from this story. You do not have to attend every argument you're invited to. He was invited to engage his brother. He was invited to say, I can't believe you said that to me. I'm just here to give you food. I'm here to check on you. And here is this guy. No, he didn't do it. He decided not to engage in the argument. This is so key, ladies and gentlemen. If I'm going to be who God created me to be, I cannot engage in every single argument that comes my way. It's a distraction. If I start jumping into this because this person said this, this person did this, this person is, is saying this about me and they're inviting me to it, if I do that, I get distracted. So do not attend every argument that comes your way. It is not worth it. In fact, in marriage, you need to do the same thing. There's some arguments you just need to leave alone. There's some days that you're in a bad mood and she needs to leave you alone in those arguments. And there's some days that she's in a bad mood and you just leave them alone. It's not worth it. You're not going to get anywhere with this. Do not attend every argument. Arguments are distractions for the course that God wants you to go down. And David was relentless. He ignored his brother. He ignored like, all the jabs. And he said, look, there's a guy out here. There's something bigger going on than your little deal with me, your little jealousy with me. There's a giant down there, and he's defying the armies of the living God. There's something to do, and I need to be who God created me to be. Next, if you're going to be who God created you to be, you're going to have to forget motivation. We have bought into the lie that we just have to be motivated to do something for God. We have to be motivated to do what's right. We, we just don't feel motivated, so we didn't get it. We have to forget motivation. Motivation is a trap. Motivation is a trap. You forget it. And you just do what is right. You just do what God has showed you in his word to do. You do not wait until you're motivated. Motivation has never really gotten anyone anywhere. I 
can take you, and I didn't do this because of, I just didn't want to do this. I didn't want to make anybody look bad. I can take you to Facebook pages where people started exercising and then they stopped. They were really motivated to do it. And so for four or five days, maybe two weeks, they posted pictures, you know. And some of them were pretty sick. Before and after. And you're like, there's not much difference between the after, but I know you see something. Look, if you post it on Facebook for people to see, I can make fun of it. That's the rule, right? So there's people that are motivated, but the motivation doesn't get them far at all. When the motivation goes down, they quit exercising. Motivation to eat right. So people go to the doctor. They get, you know, they get something here. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to take care of my heart. I'm going to quit eating hamburgers. I'm going to start eating grass. I mean, they start changing their diets, right? But after a little while, they quit doing that. They, they quit eating because their motivation goes down. Motivation is a trap. Motivation is also a trap because in this particular story, the entire Israeli army was motivated to hide. Who was motivated? Goliath. So all of a sudden, Goliath fear-mongled, right? He put fear in front of them, and they hid, and they were motivated to hide. Motivation is a trap. I have found in life that if I forget motivation and I just do the right thing, Somewhere down the line, motivation will kick in as a support and not as a, um, what do you call it, a way to propel me to do something right. You know what my flesh motivates me to do most of the time? Like 99.9% of the time? Sin. It's what I'm motivated to do. That's what I want to do. That's what I feel like I should do. But it's a commitment God's word is commitment to be who God wanted me to be. It's commitment to live in between predestination and free will that makes me choose to do the right thing and go against what I'm motivated to do. See, the Holy Spirit inspires you to do correctly. And sometimes God makes you make a decision against your emotions so that he can fill you with the Holy Spirit so you have the power to do what is correct. Motivation is a trap. You see, in this passage, David's going to be who he's going to be, and he's trusting in the living God, and he's just flabbergasted that somebody hasn't gone out and taken care of this guy and is smacking his God in the face. So don't wait for motivation to do the right thing. Always do the right thing. If you're going to be who you're going to be, well, who God created you to be, you're going to have to have the right attitude. Sometimes in life, we do not have the right attitude. And part of that is because of the people we hang around, part of that, there's other reasons for that, but we have to have the right attitude. So here's where I'm going to live. David could be who God created him to be because he had a relationship with God. See, there's nobody in this room, if you do not have a relationship with God, you cannot be who God created him. It's just stuck. You're lost. Trying to figure out which way to go. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. 
that we can be saved. He rose the third day to give us life so that we can accept him as our Savior so the Holy Spirit can start working inside of us so that we can be exactly who God's created us to be. It's the only way to do it. If you think about who David hung around, the majority of his life up until this point, it was um, God and sheep. God and sheep. God and sheep. An occasional call. God and sheep. If we are going to have the tenacity and the guts to be who God has created us to be, we are going to have to hang around. We're going to have to look at his word. And we're going to have to let it soak in our hearts so that we can follow his word. So that we can know what he has created us to be. So that we can be instruments for him to um, show his power. Um, I look at this front row and I look at people that have influence, including you, Tyler. And you have done it. Tyler, I mean, but you have this influence. And God wants us to use our influence wherever we are for his honor and his glory to do great things for Do not allow other people to shame you. Do not allow your motivations to sin to shape you. Allow the Holy Spirit to shape you in the Word of God. And to be honest with you, I think that's the best advice that you can get in a commencement service. Nothing else really matters. Nothing else does. Nothing else. And this late in life, whereas if God had not called me into ministry, I'd be making money. not enough money in the world for me to change who I am at this point in my life. What I wish is that when I was your age, I would have had the same concept in my mind. When I entered my 20s and started to listen to what people were saying and try to be what they wanted me to be, you need traffic, and you, and you, you heard their criticism, so you changed, and then basically what you were doing is you were pacifying a bunch of people and you were forgetting God. Have to do is look at his word, the Bible, the truth of his word, and then ignore all the voices that want you to be something else. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Father, I'm proud of these graduates, each one of them.
that they'll do great things for you. So we leave that into your hands, which are more than capable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright. This time we will present our diplomas. Alex Rowledge, graduating from Davie County High School.
huge pictures right out here that we have made for you. You take those home because I don't need all your money. So, so you go ahead and take those home. That's a gift from our church. Congratulations, graduates. Um, it was a pleasure to do this today for you guys. And um, I wish it had been, you know, at your school, but at least we could do this. So that said, um, I'm going to pray for them, and then we're going to wait. Holy Father, thank you for this moment. And again, we leave them into your hands to do great things for you. Um, do whatever it takes, Father, to keep them on that path. And we trust them. Um, we trust them into your hands with their lives. That's why I say to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace. Amen.